You're listening to a message from CT College, the college ministry of Cross Timbers Church located in Denton, Texas. If you would like to learn more about us, visit crosstimberschurch.org slash college or follow us on Instagram at CT underscore college. where we uh, start tonight is this idea of God's love, um, because I know that if you're anything like me, there are many a times that that doesn't feel, um, I don't feel that, you know, talk about this tree that's getting bent over by the mercy and the love of God, and I'm like, are you sure that's not just like stress and anxiety? Um, but but there are, this reality is, is that guys, that even when we don't feel it, even when there isn't that like chill down the spine, um, that that is real. And that God like loves you tonight. And the thing is too is that he loves our community. I think John said it so well that we are for Denton. Um, that we exist. Man, yeah, that everyone would follow, find, know, and do. Ultimately that God would be glorified and that our city would be made um, a better place. Or for the common good of Denton. And I would be um, remorse if I didn't even just start here tonight. As I know that, um, that just this past week we had a professor at Texas Women's. Um, who tragically took her own life. Um, and I'm also super aware that, like, man, like depression and anxiety and um, suicidal, like, ideation is something that has gripped a lot of our friends, a lot of our family members, um, and maybe even some of you in this room. Um, and so even before we dive into Haggai and the last week of, um, of Build My Life, I would love if we could just, like, take a minute um, and pray um, for our city, specifically against depression and anxiety because the love of God runs in direct opposition to that. Um, so can we do that real quick before we dive into scripture? Y'all be cool with that? Cool, let's pray. Father, I thank you that your love is not just an idea, it's not just a concept, it's not just a principle, but it's real. God, it's tangible. And God, that you want for each and every person who you have created in your image to know your love in an intimate and a deep way. And so, God, I pray for my friends that are in the room tonight, right now. I pray, Lord Jesus, that they would feel you. And, God, they wouldn't just feel you, but they would know you. And so, God, would you lean in close to all everyone in this room right now who's dealing with anxiety um, and depression or whatever else it may be. God, would you draw near to them and let them know that they're not alone. Um, and, God, that you have not given up on them. Um, and if you would, in your seat that you're sitting in, would you pray specifically for the students at Texas Women's um, and for the love of God to draw near to them, even right now in this moment. Would you pray that? And similarly, would you pray for our friends at the University of North Texas? who may be struggling or maybe in a dark place, even right now, or in the coming weeks, coming semesters. Would you pray for them right now? And would you pray for those at NCTC or just the young adults, those who are, in the work, who are working, going to class online? Would you, would you pray for them right now? Maybe you know them by name. Pray for them by name. And so, Father, we just commit those people to you and ask, God, that you would draw near to them 
Um, and God, and if it would be so, would you use us to be the ones that bring them the love of God, that bring them the encouragement, that bring them the smile? We pray these things in the name of Jesus, our King. Amen. Amen. Thanks, you guys, for doing that. Um, we ain't just like messing around being like we're for our city. Like when I say that we're, like we're for Denton, like that means like we're for Denton. Like this isn't just an idea or a good concept. Like this is like we want to be active when that. So let's keep going. Uh, we are currently in Build My Life um, last week of our series coming up here. In the very first week, if you had a chance to be with us, we talked about the idea that if you're going to build a life that counts, like obviously everyone's life matters, but a life that, that counts, that has influence, that, a life of purpose, a life of passion. I had you guys kind of dream about what it would be like in 25 years if you could have this ideal life full of passion and purpose in, in life. How are we going to get there? How are we going to have a life that counts? And we talked about that there's so many distractions in our world today that if we want to live a life with counts, we've got to have God-centered priorities. That we were going to ask ourselves the question, right, of like, who is this for? Like, is this just for me? Like, am I just living a self-centered, selfish life? Is this just for me? Or is this for the Lord? Am I going to be a part of building his temple on earth, aka making planet earth look more like heaven today? And then last week, we were so lucky, so blessed. I literally, I was talking to, to Madison, who's our CT college director, and I was literally like, she, like this, that was like the best CT nights we've had, like in the longest time. And that was like, it was awesome. Um, but Chase talked about how we, um, we just need to receive, and then we need to do, and then we can remember that if we have God-centered priorities, then we need to have the boldness and this courage to live a life that counts. And so now we're going to move into the last couple verses, the last chapter of the book of Haggai. And I want to lean in one last time on how can you and I build a life that counts so that when you're 25 years or 25 years down the road, that you can say, man, I have arrived at the destination that, that God has for me because I took the steps when I was in college. Because it's really, I just think it's interesting that We've talked about like you got to do all these things. We need to make sure we're building God's kingdom. We need to make sure we're practicing the spiritual discipline. So here, here, here's my problem though. Have you ever been someone who like has like you read the Bible, you go to church, you do the praying thing, but you still feel empty? Like, like you do all of the right things, like you're doing the Christian stuff. But man, like it just doesn't quite feel right. There's not, there's... It, it's not working out for you. That we've talked about building this awesome life. It's gonna be full of purpose, like engaging community, do these things and it's gonna work out for you. But then maybe in your own experience, it's not. And so why do I think you should listen to me tonight? Is that there is going to come a part of the road of you trying to get to this life that God has called you to and you're really gonna wonder, is this actually it? And so I want to give you, if I was to title this message, it would simply be this, the main thing. That this is the main thing. If you're going to build a life that counts, everything else will fall flat if you do not miss this one thing. It is the linchpin, it is the hinge, it is the point. And so we're gonna be looking in our text of Haggai chapter two, verses 11 through 23. I won't read all of them to you, um, but Haggai chapter two. So here's a fun thing. Um, if, you ask, if your parents call you later or you wanna to talk to them and be like, hey, I read through an entire book of the Bible this year. Only two pages, but hey, it's two books, uh, an entire book of the Bible. So Haggai chapter two. Um, just to catch you up real fast before we dive in there, if you're flipping to it, just go to the table of contents. It's in between Zephaniah and Zechariah, I think. Um, 
But just to catch you up on where we're at, so the prophet Haggai comes to God's people and God's temple is laying in ruin. And God's temple was like the way that people connected with God, the way they worship God, the way they sacrificed to God. Like without the temple, the Jewish people are in trouble. Like they, they can't do anything without God, without the temple. So like they're in problems. But the temple is destroyed and they literally wait 17 years to be like, you know what, I think we should start to rebuild the temple. And so the prophet Haggai's like, yo, 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 team, it's time to start rebuilding. Like you gotta get your priorities straight, AKA week one, right? And then he's like, listen, but like building, rebuilding the temple, it's gonna take some courage, which was like basically week two, right? And so now week three, Haggai chapter two, starting in verse 11. Hey, Cross Timbers College, this is God's word for you tonight. Verse 11 of Haggai chapter two says this. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Ask the priests what the law says. If someone carries consecrated meat in the fold of their garment and that fold touches some bread or stew or some wine, holla at your bachelor nights, olive oil or other food, <laughs> yikes, does it become consecrated? The priest answered, no. Then Haggai said, if a person defiled by contact with a dead body touches one of these things, does it become defiled? Yes, the priest replied, it becomes defiled. And verse 14 is gonna be the main place we'll hang out tonight. Said, then Haggai said, so it is with this people and this nation in my sight, declares the Lord. Whatever they do and whenever they offer there is defiled. Are you confused? If you aren't, I would be like very surprised. I had to wrestle with this text for like two weeks to actually understand what was going on here. So essentially, Haggai comes forth to the people and he asks them two questions. He asks them two questions. He goes, oh, yo, I want you to go to your priests and I want you to ask these questions. The first one, I want you to find out if someone is carrying consecrated or holy um, meat that's like to be sacrificed to the Lord. So this is like kept apart, it's holy, and it touches the garment of someone else's clothes. Does that garment become holy? Like, like is, is purity, is holiness, is it passable? And, and of course they're like, well, no. I mean, because in the same way, you know, like I think about going to like the doctor when I was a kid, you know how there was like the sick person room and then there was the healthy person room at the doctor's office, you know what I'm talking about? Because we all know that sick people get healthy people sick, not healthy people make sick people healthy. Or if I like grabbed a big thing of clean water and then I dumped it with a bunch of lake water. The water doesn't just become clean, it gets dirty, right? And so it's this obvious question. And the reason that Haggai's getting this is really to set up question number two. And this is why, and you'll make sense in just a second. And then he said, if a defiled person, or if, so, if a person defiled by contact with a dead body touches one of these things, does it become defiled? And the priest's answer, yes. And so in the same way, he's saying like, yo, but like when a dirty thing touches a clean thing, the clean thing ceases to be clean and it is now dirty. And, and, and what Haggai is saying is like, listen, so it is with this people. So it is with you. Whatever they do and whatever they offer there is defiled. It is no longer pure. It is no longer clean. It is no longer worthy to be sacrificed to the Lord. And so what, what, what are we saying here? Isn't it interesting? I thought, wait a second, Cole. I thought you just said that like the people, the Israelites finally figured it out. They started like get their priorities right. 
And, and then they, like, they had some courage to build the temple, but now Haggai's saying that, that they're unclean, that they're defiled? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, they're doing all the right stuff. They're building the temple. They've gotten their priorities in line. They're having courage. They're doing the thing. What do you mean they're defiled? What do you mean they're unclean? I bet the people of Israel were really confused. Like, like, like what's going on here? And I think what Haggai is getting at here is the fact is, is like that your work does not make you holy. That what you do with your hands alone does not put you in right standing with God. I mean, because the reality is, friends, is that you and I, man, we have chosen our own way, that we in the same way are defiled, are corrupted, that our first parents, Adam and Eve, chose a way separate from God, disconnected themselves from their life source. And because they have disconnected from their life source, they will die. And so first thing I'm getting from this text that I'm seeing from a defiled people is that corruption, contamination, if you will, is contagious. Is that contamination is contagious, that it is a part of us. And it's, listen, it's a part of me. I mean, here's the thing you never have to convince anyone inside or outside of this room. And I say this all the time, is that the world is an evil place. Like there is mass shootings, there is suicide, there is cancer, there is robbery, there is racism, there is rape. Like the world is not as it is supposed to be. It is an evil place. Why? Because it's filled with broken people. Y'all, and the thing is, is that like you and I are not exempt like apart from Christ, we are this defiled people. We are spiritually dead. And Haggai is saying, yo, 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 listen, like you just building the temple, you just getting your priorities right, it doesn't make you clean before God because you have been contaminated. I mean, think about it this way. It's like, it's like uh, tying a balloon to a caterpillar. And all of a sudden, the caterpillar begins to float in the air. But like that's not... Like, that's not Christianity. Like, Christianity is about not just, like, attachment of externals, but it's about transformation. God doesn't want to make you do Christian things as a caterpillar. He wants you to be a stinking butterfly. Yeah, that's weird. You're not going to forget that tomorrow morning. You're going to remember. That external transformation isn't the point. It's internal transformation that then allows for you to engage in God's purposes. Or maybe to think about it this way. Um, this is going to be weird, but we're going to go there. Is, um, man, like the last time I was home, I got to see my dad's um, like gravestone tomb for the first time. And it's beautiful and awesome and like clean and pristine. But you know what, guys? It doesn't matter how clean the tomb is. There's still something dead. And in the same way, it doesn't matter about the externals, what we do, our work does not make us holy. And that if I take an honest look in the mirror, me by myself, I am a defiled, evil person. And, and it's so interesting, and I love this, is if you go down to verse 17 of Haggai 2, God tells them, he's like, listen, I struck all the work of your hands with blight and mildew and hail, a.k.a. in an agricultural society, this is a nightmare. So like none of their crops are producing. He says, yet 
You did not return to me, declares the Lord. AKA the point is God is like, I want you to return to me. And so second thing I'm seeing from Haggai chapter two is this, is that God wants your heart, not just your hands. God is interested in your heart, not just your hands. You see, because the thing is, is like up to this point, the nation of Israel has begun to do the thing with their hands. Their priorities have been set straight. They've begun to build the temple. God's um, temple is being raised up in order for people to worship him and come to know him. And then Haggai chapter two is like, but that's not it. You can't be holy without it. I don't just want your heart. I want your hands. Because I think I say this a lot, but track with me here is that God knows that if he can get what you think about, then he will get after what you love and what you love you will chase. You tracking with me here? Look, look one more time. That what you think about you will love and what you love you will chase. And so God is not interested in just having your hands without having your heart. Because then all of a sudden Christianity turns into something we do out of obligation versus out of adoration. That you come on a, on a Monday night because you're like, well, well I get, yeah, like, I guess I need to. Like, this is like a Christian thing to do. Like I need to do this. Versus like, no, I want to go meet with my God because I love him and I adore him. Or same thing with like reading your Bible. It's like, well, man, they did start that reading plan through the gospels that you can get the link on Instagram. Um, plug, plug. I, I guess I should do that versus, oh my goodness, this God who I'm, I'm filling my mind with has stirred my affections for him and now I really am for Denton. And then when that person in the class who's driving you nuts because they're a jerk, but actually they're really just hurting on the inside, you actually have the capacity all of a sudden to love them like Jesus because you actually do. You aren't just a tombstone with pretty flowers on the front, but you are alive and well. God is not just interested in your heart, or not just interested in your hands, but in your heart. Because the thing is, guys, oh my goodness, God doesn't need our help. Hello. He created the heavens and the earth. He breathed the things into existence. I talked to the lead team about this yesterday, that he is the source and the sustainer of all things, that he sits enthroned above the heavens, that he speaks and things exist, that he's all powerful and all knowing, that he could literally crunch me right now if he wanted to. Like the fact that I have breath, hot air exiting my mouth, talking at you really fast right now is because he's allowing it. Like, or even, um, I think I saved this. Um, Acts 17 says this, that the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. Oh my stinking goodness, God doesn't need our help. He doesn't need our hands, but my goodness, he wants your heart. Because once he has your heart, then your hands will quickly follow. So maybe the question is, oh man, God, I want you to have my heart, but there's an issue. Yes, God wants your heart, but contamination is contagious. That I am unclean, I am evil within myself that I choose the things that I know will hurt me because I'm disconnected from God. But God wants my heart, but God is perfect, holy, and majestic. He cannot be in fellowship, be in relationship with a 
dead thing because he is fully life. That doing religious things don't work, right? That just reading my Bible, just trying to do the right stuff out of, adora- out of obligation, not out of adoration, it doesn't work. So what are we gonna do? How can God have my heart? And I love that the book of Haggai written thousands of years ago. It begins to say this in, um, in verse chapter 18, or chapter two, verse 18, it says, from this day on, and he goes on to say what he's gonna do. And then at the very end of verse 19, it says, from this day on, I will bless you. That there's this promised blessing that God is preparing to give to his people. And then this is so rad. Verse 23, track with me. On that day, declares the Lord Almighty, I will take you, my servant Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, declares the Lord. And I will make you like my signet ring, for I have chosen you, declares the Lord Almighty. I don't expect for that to mean anything to you right now, but I hope it will in about three seconds. Is that this Zerubbabel, is an ancestor of our savior, Jesus. That if you were to go to Mark or to Matthew 1.12, you would find his name. So what is Haggai saying to the people? You guys, God is going to bless us. Zerubbabel, you will be a signet ring. You will be a promise. You will, through you will come the blessing. Through you will come Jesus. And so friends, we have a wicked and broken heart separated from God, contaminated by sin because we've been corrupted by the world. We've chosen our own path. We said, God, nah, I'm good. I'm gonna go my own way. But God said, no, 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 I want you. I love you. I care for you. I don't want you to be depressed. I don't want you to have anxiety. I don't want you to hurt yourself. I don't want you to sleep with that guy. I don't want you to be hurting yourself. I want you to be whole and full and have a life forever with me. And then he's coming through with this promise. And our promise isn't do better, try harder, make it work. Our promise is that I will come to earth in the person of Jesus Christ. And I will live a perfect life, a life that you and I could not live, that was not broken or separated from the Father, but rather was in perfect union with the Father. No evil, no defilement, no corruption, no contamination, no sin, no evil, purity, whole, clean. And not only did he live the perfect life, but then he died. Not just like any old death, but he died as a sacrifice, as a substitute, a substitute for who? A substitute for you. A substitute for me. Man, and he was beaten and mocked and scorned and he took it all when he could have been like, yo, get off me and they would have fallen dead. And he said, no, 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 I'm choosing this. I'm choosing to give my life that the last breath that God, that exited from God's mouth entered your heart if we would trust in him. That instead of being a dead tombstone, we can be a living creation if we would trust in Christ. That this is our story. This is the Christian story. This is what Haggai chapter two is leading us to. Is that here's the deal, friends. It's so much bigger than a bunch of principles. It's about a person. It's not about some structure or some system. It's about the spirit of God. That even when we were separated and far from him, that Christ died for us. 
And so friends, if you want to live a life that counts, there has to be connectivity and trust in Jesus Christ. I mean, this is going to sound so ridiculous, and I'll probably close with this. So uh, the University of Georgia played, uh, number three University of Georgia played the number seven Notre Dame Fighting Irish on Saturday. Anyone check that out? Anyone? Hello. Um, and the dogs won. It was awesome. But one of the things that gets brought up with Notre Dame a ton is the catfishing saga of Monte Teo. I'm not about bashing people behind their backs, but, you know, like Monte Teo, he like totally like faked everyone out and like pretended he had a girlfriend. Does everyone remember this? Not Hess, if we do? Okay. Um, so, so let's think about this. Monte Teo projected that he had a relationship with said woman. Facebook, everywhere. Like people are like, yo, like this dude's like got a girl. Like he, he was doing all of the things of the relationship, but there wasn't a person. <laughs> and you laugh, but friends, but friends, but friends. Are you doing all of the things of a Christian relationship, but there is no person? Like we can sit here and laugh about Monte Teo, but like, what about you? Like, do you actually know Jesus Christ as your personal savior? Have you put your trust in him? Has he begun to transform you into his own image? Or are you just projecting a relationship that you think you should have or maybe that's the right thing? Like, have you fallen in love with Jesus or have you fallen in love with the attention of the people in this room? Like, do you know him personally? Are you piggybacking off of your friend's faith? Like, are you walking with Jesus daily? Or are you doing this so your parents will keep funding your college education? And this is the last thing, guys, is that we are defiled, but Christ makes us clean. Man, it just like, it take, like takes me back to those moments of, oh Lord, I am so broken without you. And I do not have what it takes without you, but in Christ, there is freedom. But in Christ, there is cleansing, but in Christ, there is redemption. In Christ, there is restoration. In Christ, there is fullness. In Christ, there is purpose. But when I lose Christ, I lose the goods. But in Christ, those things are available to us. So I would just ask you that question tonight. Are you connected to the person of Jesus? And you know that I'm so passionate about that we stink and gather on Monday nights to change your Tuesday morning, right? And so here's something I wanna challenge you with. Um, Tomorrow when you, or maybe even when you go home, if you um, wash the dishes or you begin to put the dirty clothes in the washing machine or even take a shower and you begin to clean anything, would you begin to think and be reminded that in Christ, I am clean. In Christ, I am clean. And allow for that to kind of revolutionize your day. And maybe you haven't accepted Christ or maybe you have in the room. But man, we need a reminder tonight that if we're gonna build a life that counts, it's going to be in relationship with Christ. Nothing else will work. Nothing else will work. So just in summary, make sure, because you got, I talked a lot, so let's, let's, let's recap real quick. Is that we have chosen a way apart from God that contamination is contagious. Oh man, but God wants our hearts, not just our hands. 
And he's made that possible through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus in order that he could have our hearts and have our hands both now and for eternity. That's it. That's why we're here. And so we're going to sing a couple more songs in response and in, and, and in seeing that. But before we do that, I would love to pray um, one more time um, for us and for our time together. So if you would, would you just bow your heads and we'll just take a moment, not in a hurry or in a rush. So Father, thank you so much that, Lord, the prophet Haggai wrote these words so many years ago. And the God, that even then there was a people that were defiled. And God, even then you still wanted their hearts. God, not just their religious observation. And Lord, even then, God, you were pointing to your son, Jesus. And so God, I just pray that we would begin to lean in and put our trust in you. God, even for the first time, or maybe just be reminded again that apart from Christ, this is a waste of time. And so just as you sit in your seat, would you, would you actually think critically for a second? Have you been putting your trust in Jesus to be made right with God? Or have you been putting your trust in just religious observation? Would you just think about that for a second? Ask the Lord, be, be honest. Man, if that's you, if you're, if you're, maybe you're a Christian, maybe you're not, if you feel like you've been just doing this thing but not connecting with the person of Jesus, we're, just as people are, eyes are closed, would you just slip up your hand just as a sign of like, yep, that's me, I feel that, I feel that way. I feel like I'm just doing this but not experiencing the actual person of Jesus. Yeah, you're good, you can put your hands down. Man, and if you're in the room tonight and you've never put your trust in Jesus but you'd say, man, this gift that you're talking about tonight. I wanna, I wanna receive that for myself. I wanna take that in and own it so that I don't just live a life out of obligation, but live a life out of adoration. If, if that's you would, you, would you slip up your hand right now too, just so I could see you? Yeah, you can put your hands down. I mean, if that's you, would you, would you come talk to me um, afterwards and, and, or talk to one of our leaders or talk to a friend and let them know, I mean, I, I think I need to, I put my trust in Jesus tonight. Would you, I, don't, I, don't, I don't care about like how many people. It's just more so you taking a step. And so, Father, as we begin to sing these songs, God, we just declare your greatness and your power and your mercy. God, that while we were still sinners, God, Christ died for us so that we would be with him forever. So, Lord, we love you. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, our King. Amen.